Tech Swig. What's going on, everybody? It's another episode of the Proud Dads Presents podcast, and we want to thank you for joining in. It's me, Mr. Proud Dad himself, James Savannah, and I've got a super special guest on the podcast because me and this guy go way back. Uh, we had a friendly hey, rivalry back. in the uh, on the football field. <laughs> we, we was both on the defense, but I got my friend, my compatriot, my dude, Jason Vincent on the podcast. What's going on, man? What's up? What's up, man? It's good to see you. Good to be here. Yeah. I think the last time we actually saw each other in person was during my wedding. I came out for the wedding. I flew out. I think I only stayed a day, but, man, you, you called me and said, hey, man, I'm getting married. I said, I'm on the next flight. Yeah. I'll be there. And uh, me and Steve actually came out mm-hmm. and stayed together, I think, that night. <laughs> and we came out. Oh, that was the, that was the worst. <laughs> that was the worst <laughs> roommate ever. But... <laughs> it was it was for my dog James. I, I won't tell him that uh your episode of the podcast is gonna get higher ratings than his. I, I don't wanna start no uh rivalries or anything in our older age. Yeah, now. no, it, I mean it it will, but you know, I don't I'm not here to win anything. I'm just here to tell my story and support other black proud dads or other proud dads and mm-hmm. you know, just I'm excited to be here. I would like to point out for anyone who is not watching on YouTube, Jason is the MVP of the moment with his T-shirt, though. The <laughs> Black Dads Matter Black T-shirt. Dads Matter, baby. Yo, when, when, he, when that camera came on and I saw it, I was like, bro, I have got to have a and shirt I'm gonna like that. I'm going to send you one. I'm going to get your address, and I'm going to send you one. I promise you, bro. I promise yeah. I will. Yes, sir. Now, if you don't know Jason, Jason was like a phenomenal athlete. This dude, this dude, he could squat like something crazy. But everybody would just get on him by his bench press, though. We ain't gonna talk about that. that. (laughs) I was the worst at bench. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Like, (laughs) the bench, look, it's crazy. I got a funny story about my bench when I got to college. Like, that is crazy how bad I was at bench. (laughs) Man. I was jealous though, cause he'd be squatting like six, seven hundred pounds. Yeah, I and was then, a good squatter. Yo, I got I on that it. bench, and it was nothing for me. I just <laughs> never could quite get there. Real quick, let's tell. I got. We got to tell them real okay. quick. The first time that everybody kind of, because I, I guess we 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 both played from sophomore and. After I think after that season we like got in the weight room and that was mm-hmm. really when I'm like all right I'm about to get to it I'm about to get pumped <laughs> man I got under that bench it wasn't but 135 <laughs> one plate on each side James I got that thing here and it wasn't going anywhere <laughs> 135 and them coaches like you can't bench 130 <laughs> yo bro, Coach Rainey <laughs> would go in bro. And if you don't know anything about Coach Rainey, Man, when he starts going was, off, he would. It, it he it didn't stop. It was over. Yeah, but man. Yeah, bro. That was that was a moment in my my football career that I wish more people would forget. I'm mad that you remember that. My bad. <laughs> I, we had fun times though. We'll, we'll say that we had fun times. We had a lot of good times. Made a lot of good memories. A lot of good. A lot of good times on that great defense. Yo, our defense was off the hook. <sighs> Man. Yo, couldn't nobody. Our D line was crazy. The linebackers were crazy. Our DBs were crazy. Everybody was fast. You know, we 
bro. We had speed everywhere. For we days. had tacklers, we had man, ball hawks. All oh, those were the days, man. I miss them. I miss them so much. Yeah, yeah. Man. <laughs> Marietta, state champions. We still gonna revel in that for a while, dog on it. But oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. I was there for it and you know I celebrated down the hall and we all that's and I was so happy to see it, bro. So happy. Yeah, man. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. It's like, who is Jason Vincent? What do you do? What have you gone through? Um, man, how long we got? <laughs> um, so I got the uh, paid subscription Jason to Zoom, Vincent. so we got as long as you need. Okay. So we got as long as we need. Well, Jason Vincent is a father, um, a friend. Jason Vincent loves to golf. He loves, I'm going to stop speaking in third person, but uh, I love. Man, I try to get into golf. I still, man, I stink. I'm I'm not good at it either, but it's those shots that you get a shot here and there, bro, that bring you back. Mm -hmm. You get a putt here and there that brings you back. But I'm... I'm easygoing, um, competitive. You probably remember that. I'm very competitive. <laughs> very I much so. Hate to lose. Like I don't care who I'm playing. Mm-hmm. My 18 year old son or my four year old daughter. They gotta go down. They gotta <laughs> lose. Like they, my fiance was saying the other day. Like you have to let people win sometimes. No, never. I, I cannot. I don't have that mentality. But um, I was playing my sixth grader in phase 10 the other day. And I was like, you know, I can't take it easy. Gave him the work. Got to give him the work. Got to get the work. They got to learn how to lose. You got to earn your victories. You have to earn your victories around here. Ain't no giving. And my son is finally getting to a point where, I mean, I hope he's going to college for basketball, but he's finally getting to a point where in basketball he can um, beat me here and there. But still, I'm going to. To these knees fall off. He got to get this work. <laughs> He's got to get it. But yeah, that's. I mean, I'm I'm easy going, James. I mean, you know me, and just for the the um, viewers, um, I try to be a good person. I try to do every, everything right. But obviously, you know, we all fall short. Sometimes we all have our shortcomings. But at the end of the day, I can look myself in the mirror because I'm proud of a lot of the things I've done in my life, mm-hmm. and. That's important to me. Yeah. And you went to UCF, Central I Florida. I did. Proud night. I am a – can you hear me? Yep, I can see you. One second, James. Sorry, having some connection issues here. Hey. Yep. Okay, perfect. All right, sorry about that. I did. I went to UCF. I am a UCF Knight. We did win a national championship. I don't know <laughs> nobody we claiming that. And y'all claimed that hard, too. Bad. We, we, we claiming that and we keeping that. People that don't like it, too bad. I hope, I hope y'all jump in the comment section and talk about it. Hey. I am a proud Knight, man. I am so proud to be a UCF Knight. And that's honestly where it all started for me. That's where I finally no, – I shouldn't say that. Marietta is where it started for me. Marietta is really where I kind of realized I had to get things together. 
And then UCF, you know, I had some bumps in the road, but I had to refocus myself. And that's where I kind of refocused. And that's where everything kind of took off for me from there. Yeah, yeah. How was your time there? Like, what was your what was it like being away from home? Man, UCF was great. Um, everything but my first year. My first year was horrible. I hated it. Um, I was supposed to, like, get a lot of playing time as a freshman. Tore my ACL on my first collegiate play at Wisconsin. I'll never forget it. And it was a, a non-contact injury. Like, nobody touched me. I'm running down on kickoff faster than anybody. You remember? You remember Man, those horses? are always the worst, too. You remember them horses, James? Oh, uh, them horses. <laughs> I get them horses, them baby. horses. Hey, <laughs> Coach yeah. Friday, yes. But, um, yeah, so – Went down, tore my ACL, and that was just <clears> – and <throat> for somebody who's never been hurt, mm-hmm. get hurt on your first play in college and then just have so much uncertainty from there, it was tough for me. And I think that was a mental climb more more than a physical for me, honestly, of yeah. kind of getting back. And that was tough, but, you know, Things like that. What doesn't kill you make you stronger, and that really made made me stronger. And then I went on to have a four year career, four year starter, and I would have had more stats had O'Leary not um, disliked me because I was a, I was a, um, let's see, what would you what would you call what I was? I was a young, dumb kid. I I thought that's a nice way to put it. I, that's, that's, that's as good as I can put it. I was a young, dumb kid that thought my talent superseded anything else. Yeah. What I mean by that is, uh, so my freshman year, you know, I made the school. I was in the two deep. I was, you know, expected to get a lot of playing time. The next year I come back after I redshirted that first year, the next year I come back and I work myself back into the two deep. And the coaches are like, we got to play this guy. We got to play this guy. And we, I finally get on the field after, like, the second game of that season. And, I, bro, I had, like, 13 tackles, two forced fumbles. You know, I had a game. Yeah. And, you know, you get to read in the newspaper. You know, they call me an unsung hero of the game. And I'm feeling myself. <laughs> Next game, I come back, have another good game. Even got a pick. Um, against Memphis and had a chase down on D'Angelo Williams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to name drop. I am. I remember watching that game. <laughs> and, bro, I had a great game against Memphis. And now I'm really feeling myself. Mm-hmm. So, and next week, and this is where, you know, I want people to actually, like young people to actually listen who want to go to college and who want to do things. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start feeling yourself, and you guys get a couple. You get a couple wins under your belt. Your coaches are going to bring you back down to life, and Quickly. that's what they did to me. And that's what they had to do mm-hmm. because my head was here. It was getting here, James. Like, yeah, I didn't get to play last year, and now I'm out here balling. Got conference player of the week, and I'm you know this and that, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> didn't you get a? They gave you a nickname. Was it Sledge? Sledge. So I, Sledge. they came out there, Sledge. Thanks to ESPN. ESPN <laughs> <laughs> shouted me out with the sledge. And then from honestly, bro, from there on, it took off. I'm in games and people are like, good hit, sledge. Mm-hmm. That really took off. That nickname really took off. Um, 
But the coaches, back to what I was saying about the coaches, they, after about three ga- three good games from, bro, I promise you, I kid you not, James, I had, I averaged like 13 to 15 tackles those first few games. I had like two picks, multiple forced fumbles. And we were going up to Southern Miss. And the week of practice, O'Leary's like, I don't like how you guys are practicing. Because we were coming off, let me go back. We were coming off a 17-game losing streak. The longest losing streak in the history of college football. <laughs> when I got to UCF. So my freshman year when I got when I got hurt and didn't play, we went 0-12. Mm-hmm. All right. And then before that, they had lost the first couple games. So then that next year we came back and we lost the first two or three games. So we got our first win. They tore down the goal post at Citrus Bowl. That mm-hmm. was an experience. Like <laughs> being a part of that. Watching the fans' excitement of tearing the goalpost down mm-hmm. because we finally got a win, and then we got on a little winning streak. So fast forward, I think we were three or four wins in, and we're going to Southern Miss. And the week of practice, like I said, O'Leary's like, um, I, "You guys aren't practicing the way you need to to be a championship team." And again. I was not, I think I guess I was 19 at the time, maybe just turned 20. But a 19-year-old kid, I'm like, we practicing fine. So we're in like in my mind, I'm like, all right, he knows that I'm one of his better players. Yeah. You know, he's gonna acknowledge that. You understand what I'm saying? And yeah, yeah. he we're in a, a team meeting and he we're like going over plays of you guys did this crap here. You did this crap here. You did this crap here. And he gets to me, and he's like, Jason, what the F are you doing here? Like, do you think you're giving effort? I said, I thought I was, but if you say I'm not, then I'm not. My exact word. <laughs> In my mind, that came out like, Coach, I thought I was, but if you say I'm not, Coach, I'm not, I'll have to do better. That's how it came out of my mind. That's not I'm pretty how sure it didn't come it. out. Yeah. <laughs> that's not how we heard it. And that's not, bro, when I tell you I have never seen an adult, I guess I shouldn't say I was a kid, but I was kind of a kid. I've never seen anybody talk to somebody the way that man talked to me. He man. went clean off every curse word in the book. <laughs> this, that, get out, all this. Like, I think oh, Larry was known kid. as a tough nose, hard nose coach anyway. He was, and I think. And and what's crazy is they warned me, James. Like people that went to tech, I yeah. had no, you know, Joey Hamilton and mm-hmm. um Wesley Camp not Wesley, uh Campbell. Campbell. The receiver. Receiver, Campbell. Can't remember his first name Kelly, right now. Kelly Campbell. Kelly Campbell. There you go. Kelly Campbell. I had I had met them, you know, from mutual friends or mutual family members and I talked to them saying, hey, I'm going to UCF. They actually put me in touch with them because I said I was going to UCF, and that was when O'Leary had taken over. Mm-hmm. And they were like, bro, he's a hard nose. But, you know, if you gain his respect, then, you know, he'll he'll respect you. He's still going to be hard on you, but he'll respect you. Mm-hmm. So I guess I thought I had gained his respect. Not even close. <laughs> he went off, and they benched me. Like, they didn't even take me on the trip for that game. Oh man! Oh, you got one of them coaches decisioned. Yes, you got coaches decisioned. Yes, and I think that was our first game against Southern Miss. I think that was our first one that was televised, like since I had been at UCF. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm back at home, like, come on, and we got smashed. 
<laughs> so at the time, that kind of built up my little ego a little more. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, later in the season, we brought it back down again. So yeah. I, I finally had to realize, like, look, bro, it's not going to work here. Like, mm-hmm. fall in line or you're not going to play. Right. And that's what I finally eventually did. Ended up starting over 50 games at fifty games at U, about 50 games at UCF. And when I left, I was actually um, top five in tackles, interceptions, forced fumbles, and school history. Yeah. Um, so that, that's something I'm proud of. I'm not going to sit here and act, and I'm not even trying to like stat drop, but I'm I'm proud of that. I was proud of, you know, as a Man. DB, being able to go out there and, mm-hmm. you know, but knowing the work that goes into it and the work you had to put in, man, oh, goodness, man, you, you've earned the right to drop any stat out oh, there. You did those summer workouts in that heat, James, in Orlando. Oh, oh that humidity God. must have been crazy. Oh my goodness, man! I I can't even sit here and tell you how explain how bad it was. Mm. And we had strength coaches that were insane, like yeah. They were, but what I respect about them is outside of the, you know, sprint stuff, they did the workouts too. Every really? workout they made us do the 6 a.m. 20 sets of uh, 20 squats, mm-hmm. they made they did them too. So yeah. I respected that. Like, you, you got to, like, respect when they're not just telling you to do it, but they kind of live by it too. I, yeah. I did respect that, but they were, they were tough. But, man, and – like you know, you 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 played it up earlier, so I'll give it to you. I did on the squat record out there for the line. <laughs> we had little records. I did on the squat record out there. I on the squat record, yeah, and the vertical jump. Man, lower Nowhere body close. strength like crazy. <laughs> Nowhere close to the bench. Yeah, but squat and vert. I had both of those for a while. I think they've been broken since I've left. But um, I mm. had to have the squat and vert record that I was also proud of. That's what's up. And then when you came out, you went to Cleveland? I did. So I was out in Cleveland with somebody that um, thought he was Bill Belichick and was quickly shown that he was not. Was that the was that Mangini? No, not Eric Mangini. Man, yeah, Mangini. It was Mangini. It was Mangini's first year, actually. Mm-hmm. So I actually got a free agent contract out to Cleveland. And... Um, the reason I went to Cleveland, I had four or five teams that asked, you know, for me to sign a free agent contract. And I, looking back, hindsight being 2020, I probably should have went to Baltimore. They did with Ed Reed. They fit my kind of play better. Mm-hmm. But the purpose of going to Cleveland was a new coach, new regime. You know, they want to see, mm-hmm. you know, new talent. They want to yeah. see people. Cleveland's Cleveland. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking – this is my opportunity to shine. And, bro, I went out there. I had a good camp. But, excuse me, it – politics still run the NFL. Yeah. Like, um, no matter, you know, they're paying this person this much. There, there are going to be certain people or certain teams that are, oh, we're going to give this guy a chance and mm-hmm. he's going to make that. But a lot of it I felt like was still a lot of politics because I did feel like I did some good things and was I wasn't given the opportunity and then after Cleveland so I got cut out in Cleveland Mm -hmm. and I had an opportunity or I was offered to go out to Canada but honestly 
I always told myself I'm more than a football player. Right. And that's no disrespect to anybody who feels like football is their life because, honestly, to be great in football, you do have to take it like it's your life. Right. But I was more than football. And if it wasn't the NFL for me, I'm not that guy that I'm going to keep going until it wasn't. It wasn't that for me. I went on and started my life. So um, I went and started preparing for getting to my master's degree and things like that. That's what's up. I completely understand. I went to a couple of uh, Canadian League and a couple of Arena League tryouts. So I know it's like, it's real different. It is. is. It's it's way different. And again, that's why I'm saying I'm not knocking anybody who continues with their passion, whether Mm -hmm. it be Arena, semi-pro. Listen. If that's your passion, you stick to it. For yeah. me, I had to – I wanted to be always be more than football. Yeah. And I wanted people to look at me as more than football. Like, I have a brain. I'm yeah. smart. Uh, you know, can do more than, you know, run fast and hit people. So right. that was more of my reason. And, I mean, looking back, I probably should have at least tried Cleveland for a year or two. Mm-hmm. I did miss the, end up missing the game. But, yeah, once the NFL dream was over, it was time for me to let it go. Right. So this is where I kind of, like, lost you a little bit. Because, like, I loved my folk. Like, I followed all my guys that I graduated with. I knew where they were, what they was doing. Tried to keep up with them as best I could. Mm -hmm. After your Cleveland experience, I was like, okay, I don't know where Jason went. (laughs) So... Tell us a little bit of – you said you had to kind of shift away from football. And I did. I more did. than a football player. Yeah. So, what I did was um, I made – I always said I wanted to go back and get my master's. That was always a thing for me to go back and get. I, I wanted an MBA. I ended up getting a sports business administration um, um, for my master's. But – so, what I had to do is my last semester – so UCF, let me go back. UCF, I graduated my undergrad, but I had that fifth year. So I played that fall season, and you still have to take classes. Even though you graduated, you mm-hmm. still have to take a certain amount of hours in order to remain eligible. Okay. Okay? So I did that for the fall. After the fall, my plan was always to go and – prepare for the NFL draft, right? Mm-hmm. For the you know, prepare for pro days and all that stuff. So that spring, I I didn't understand that you still had to be enrolled because you started the fall semester and you had to be mm-hmm. enrolled for the spring semester. So I think I had like classes that I was still responsible for that I was like, I don't care about. I'm not going to do anything with. So I failed them all. So that brought my GPA all the way down. So when I was trying to get my master's degree, Mm -hmm. when I went to get my master's degree, they're like, we can't do nothing for you. Like, you know, and I'm like trying to explain it to them, but they're like, you know, when you're getting into a master's program, you know, you take a GRE. It's very competitive. You take Mm -hmm. a GRE, you do that. But if your, you know, GPA and stuff like that isn't up to par, then they're not going to take you. Mm-hmm. So I just had to do, you know, a few classes here and there. And I was actually living in Miami at the time. So I took Miami. I was in Miami with my How'd you ex. get to Miami? What was so in my Miami? Ex, my ex at the time, who was my college sweetheart, 
at UCF. Mm-hmm. She was doing her master's at FIU at the time. Oh, I got wow. cut from Cleveland. Yeah, I went back to love, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> I was out there, and I work was working for Marriott mm-hmm. and working on getting my um, what I needed to do for my master's degree. Okay. So, Plan there was all right. I come to Miami. I help you out. I get you, you know, mm-hmm. where you need to be as far as to graduate, and then we go and I get my, I do my masters, and then we start our life. Well, as you know, things don't always work out as planned. Of course, and there's a little bit of detours that are involved, you, you know. So it ended up to be where I went as planned to go get my masters, which I went to Missouri, mm-hmm. and. She was like, uh, oh, in Miami. <laughs> ah. Yeah, so it was one of those. But uh, yeah. that's how I ended up in Miami. And then that's from Miami, I went to Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is Miami, though? I mean, I've been there to visit a couple times, but. So it's way different living there. Um, Miami forced me to learn a lot of Spanish, for one. <laughs> yes. I did have to learn a lot of Spanish. It also forced me to understand that you can speak the same Spanish to three different to to three different dialects, and one may get you perfectly. The other mm-hmm. one will get you crazy. <laughs> the other one will think you're trying too hard to speak Spanish. <laughs> right. Like, and that's what's crazy to me about it. It's like it's. I don't want to, not in a disrespectful way, but it's so much broken Spanish mm-hmm. and, you know, Cubans speak one way, Dominican mm-hmm. speak another, Mexican speak another. So trying to keep up with that for me was hard because I'm like, look, I know so much. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like, hola means hola to me. <laughs> no, yeah. Now, do you still know it, though? Um, I can... Depending on what we're talking about, I can hold a conversation. Like if I, like when I go to DR or I go to Mexico, I'll speak a little bit of Spanish to them. But when they start going fast on me, oh shoot, I can't do it. Espacio, (laughs) espacio, slow it down. Right. Hey, so during this whole time, you backtrack a little bit. You became a father at an early age, right? I did. I did. Fifth. So, um. She got pregnant at 15, and she had the baby at 16. So we were 16 years old with an infant in high school. I think we had just graduated, uh, just went from 10th grade to 11th grade. When she, or we were at the end of 10th grade when she had the baby is mm-hmm. in May. So we were at the end of 10th grade um, when she had the baby. How was it as a young – one, as a young father, and two – going through college and graduating and going through your experiences being a father because like that seems like a lot like when you think about it man listen i'm not even gonna sit here and lie that was some of the hardest times of my life like there was a lot of nights i cried myself to sleep but at the same time I thank God for putting my son in my life at that time because I I really feel like it forced me to grow up. It forced Mm -hmm. me to be a man earlier, but it forced me through my life to make decisions based on him, not Mm -hmm. based on 
what I wanted to do or what I felt was right. It was based on, all right, what's, what's my next move going to be to put my son in a better position than we are in now? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember times, again, when you have a baby so young, you know, you can't provide for him like you want to. Right. I I didn't have a a job, you know, I played three sports in high school. So I was fortunate that coach Googe, our track coach, you know, he had a little real estate business where me and Robbie Robinson used to go out there and do landscaping for him. We used to knock down houses. We used to do a whole lot of stuff, bro. And we used to get paid pennies on the dollar, but it (laughs) It was was something. something. It was something. And it helped so much. And then obviously the support system definitely couldn't have done it without my mom, her mom. Our support system was amazing mm-hmm. and it allowed me to you know still focus on playing the sport I was playing at the time but also my studies like you know I think when she first had the baby a lot of my studies I was in some um what are those classes those um like AP yeah AP I was in some mm-hmm. AP classes and when she first had the baby all that went away mm-hmm. like, I just, I couldn't focus. I couldn't do both. It was like such a struggle. But, you know, after that first year, you kind of got in the rhythm of it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like a lot of people won't understand this, but my son was already two before I graduated high school. Yeah. So um, it was tough. That's wild. Yeah. Two-year-old before he graduated high school is is tough. But like I said, it forced me to grow up. Yeah. It forced me to be more focused and more determined. I talked about earlier how competitive I am. That forced me to take that to another level of I can't, I can't fail. Like, right. failing is not an option. Like, mm-hmm. it's just not. And that's kind of been my whole mentality, my whole life, really. Of, you know, failing, failing is not an option. And I told you before we started this today. I'm, I'm lucky too. I'm privileged. I'm lucky. Yeah. Because, you know, preparation or luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And mm-hmm. I prepared myself and I just kept waiting, kept waiting on that opportunity. And then I finally got it. And, yeah. you know, now I'm in a situation and a, you know, situation where I can take care of my family. You know, mm-hmm. we live comfortably and every day, you know, we just, we count our blessings and we thank God for everything he's yeah. done for us because, Amen. Man, coming from where we came from to, you know, where we are now is is just a blessing. Yeah. Man. And was he, how were you able to deal with being away from him? Like so being I, away at college is one yeah. thing, but being away from your child is like. That was, that was so tough. Like it was times that, you know, you 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 have this rigorous college schedule as an athlete, a student athlete in college. You have to still get your studies. You had study hall, mm-hmm. had practice. You got film study. Mm-hmm. It's so many things. So there were times where I'd call and be like, "Can I talk to Jay?" Oh, he's sleep. Or oh, and I, you know, I was missing those times, and I felt like at times she kind of put that on me as far as oh you must not want to talk to him when it wasn't that like there mm. were times that I did not you know have a time from 5 p.m to 10 p.m 
where I had no time to myself. Right. So I can just, oh, let me just call my son real quick. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so, you know, some of those times were tough. But what I appreciate from her is, you know, as he got a little older, I think when he turned four, she started letting him come to me for the summers. Yeah. And that was a whole nother beast in itself of just me and him for the summers. Me oh, having man. to take care of him, me having to figure everything out. But, bro, my UCF family, they will always be my family because mm-hmm. as a whole, yeah, everybody helped me with Jeremiah. Like, That's I had what's weight, up. I had weights. Somebody who had them, like, we have morning weights and mm-hmm. afternoon based on, you know, your, your summer schedule. If I had morning weights, the afternoon people, like, I'll watch them until y'all yeah. done. Or, you know, if I if I had to go do, you know, film study or seven on seven, things like that, I had friends that are like, I'll take care of my watch them. Man. There are days that nobody, or that we all had to be there, the trainers had to watch them. Yeah. Like, it got to, <laughs> I had a trainer, Mary V. I will never forget. I always appreciate Mary V. And she's actually still a trainer at UCF, but. She used to watch Jeremiah as much as she possibly could. She'd be over there taping ankles. Jeremiah mm-hmm. be sitting there watching her tape ankles while I'm out there playing or doing what I need to do. Like, you know, I'm so appreciative of my UCL mm-hmm. family for that because I I was able to bring him for those last three or four summers I was there. Mm-hmm. And he loved it. Like Oh, that's amazing. You know, he, and those are memories that you made. I was like, he still talks about it. Yeah. To this day, we'll see people. Like, he'll be like, oh, I know, I remember, like, I guess, uh, Bruce doesn't play anymore, but we had a, a DN who was a fullback at, with the 49ers for a while, mm-hmm. uh, Bruce Miller. He'd be like, man, I remember Bruce. We used to play video games all the time. Oh, that's what's up. And so, you know, I'm so appreciative of my UCF family for that. But those summers, bro, I'm so appreciative that, I was able to get that time with him. Yeah. It's important for him to see me bust my behind, doing mm-hmm. what I had to do, but still trying to be a father to him. And yeah. he remembers that to this day. He was like five, six years old at the time, but he remembers that to this day. And that's one of the one of the more proudest things, proudest moments of my life is being able to get him out there for them summers mm-hmm. and just see that atmosphere. And yeah. Just absorbing, and now he's like, "Man, I remember when y'all did this at UCF. I remember y'all did that at UCF." So, those memories start about that six, that five or six age. Yeah, he definitely still has them. So I'm, I'm appreciative of that. Man, that is so cool. And you, and you made it, and you graduated. And it was tough, bro. I'm not gonna lie. Like, <laughs> my, my mom would bring him out there for games. You know, my mom works at Delta, so she would bring him for games, and it was always great to see him. But those summers, when it's just mm-hmm. me and him, I got to feed him. <laughs> yeah. Like, bro, mothers get the utmost respect from me, mm-hmm. you know, especially single mothers who have to do mm-hmm. about themselves because that is not easy. Anything Man, I had to go back and tell my mom, I, I'm like, when I became a parent, I'm like, mama, I'm sorry. I see why she got a new house and a new car yep. once me and my sister <laughs> left. I'm like, yep. yo. <laughs> yep. I feel you own that one. Yes, bro. It's man, I appreciate my mother so much. Like mm-hmm. growing up without a father. That was another thing for me. Growing up without a father, I, I couldn't repeat. Yeah. What you know, what I went through. I couldn't 
And even though I was not there in the house with my son on a day-to-day basis, which I wanted to be, but I wanted my son to see, look, I had, I had you young mm-hmm. and I'm trying to, you know, remedy all this and still get my education, still put myself in a position to where I can take care of you. I made an investment. That's what I kept telling myself it was. <laughs> the time away from him at that time was just an investment. Yep. Now, you know, now I get to see him all, a lot. I see him all the time and I'm in a position to where I can financially, you know, do for him. And then that's, that's the best part. That is what's up. So you said you went to Missouri for a little while. You went from Miami to that's a that's a transition in itself going from Miami to Missouri. And again, a guy that's never been from the South outside of when I was in Cleveland those few months before I got cut out there. I had never been out the South. Yeah. Like, obviously we played different Mm -hmm. places and all that, but as far as actually living somewhere, yeah, I had never lived anywhere outside of the South. So and the Midwest Georgia, Florida, is a whole nother animal. Man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you know, Missouri, they got hills. And when it mm-hmm. when it snows, excuse yeah. me. What up? Hey, hi. Hey. Oh, right. see, she's the MVB too with that t-shirt, that rad dad t-shirt. Oh, I lost you. All right. So yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> look, everything I buy hey, cameo. That's all she gets is dad shirts. She knows what's up. But um, yeah, bro, going to Missouri from Miami was <laughs> bad enough. <laughs> Nobody warned me about driving in the snow up there and the ice and <sighs> gosh. Dude. Dude, that's the craziest thing to have to get used to is like Oh, I, I never got used to it. I just couldn't do it. I I I had one the scariest moment of my life one day was I was drop trying to drive slow, mm-hmm. like, you know, and I think I hit an icy patch or whatever. Yeah. My car would not stop moving. And like I was going into oncoming traffic and I'm like, oh my god, I'm about to die. And what I think what ended up ha- saving me was like as I got into the oncoming traffic, a car had just passed. So I kind of turned my car and just kind of sat there on the side of the road. Yeah. But bro, that was the scariest experience of my life. From that from then on, I was like, Shh, it's cold, but I'm I'd rather walk before I drive anywhere. <laughs> that thing Man. is scary. I keep yeah. telling people like you don't get used to it. You tolerate it, you, but you don't get used to and it coming was, from where we from. I was there two years, bro, and, man, that was an experience. <laughs> that was definitely an experience. And so were you in college out there? So I was getting my master's out there. So I did okay. my master's out there, but I actually was a graduate assistant for the um, Northwest Missouri State football program. Okay. So I actually coached the cornerbacks out there. Really? You know, Northwest is a, a powerhouse D2 team. Mm-hmm. The year I was there, nope, the next year, they didn't win. It was the, next, the year I left because of some of the players that I recruited, they won the national championship. So I, I was really? 
thanks to my job, I was able to go and see it and be there um, up close and personal. And afterwards, I went down on the field and they gave me hugs. They like, oh, we miss you, coach. We miss you. So that was that was a rewarding experience as well. Like that felt real good, just based on everything that happened in Missouri. Yeah. Some of the, you know the way it ended. It ended badly um, because of some false allegations made against me. Mm-hmm. But um, seeing seeing that and when going back and having my players like jump all over me, like they should give you a ring. They should give you a ring too. Cause a lot of those guys, I kind of helped recruit there and, you know, driving to and from the airport, mm-hmm. which was all but by an hour away. So yeah. it was. That Wait, was, they didn't give you a ring? They did oh. not. They did not give me a ring. I should have got messed one. Up. They did not give me a ring. Uh, they said, oh, you were gone. You were one year too late. You were one year removed and mm. they didn't give me a ring, but it's okay. Yeah. So one thing that I've that I really like respect and applaud about you is like every step of the way you've like overcome something and you have just like persevered and pushed through and just gotten stronger um, at each and every stop. And we were talking a little bit about you pushing through what you went through at Missouri. Mm -hmm. Um, How did what happened there shape you going forward? And how does it give you um, a passion to kind of give advice to other men out there? Oh, man, that's a good question. So I'll, I'll start with the first one of how did it shape me? It, it really changed me, James. Um, I'm not going to – I was naive. I was that person that the world doesn't see color. And mm-hmm. I'm just being real. Bro, we, we went to, both went to Marietta where it was a, a yeah. nice picture – Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was a nice diversity yeah. And, and that's what I was always used to so going to UCF it was the same I mean it was probably more white people there but mm-hmm. it was still a good mix of diversity in Orlando and I was all, I've always been around diversity yeah. since, you know kind of going through Marietta and then getting to Missouri my whole mindset was that and mm-hmm. people don't see color they don't see that I'm black and at first, that was all rosy. And then a false allegation was made against me to where um, I was at a party and a girl said that I touched her and she didn't give me verbal permission to touch her. Mm-hmm. And well, what happened was I ended up going to court, fighting it, and it all came out. The truth came out mm-hmm. that she lied and her friends like they were she was just embarrassed and you know she tried to apologize to me but you know everything was already ruined at that point so where they had fired me from my graduate assistantship so they Mm -hmm. took my scholarship so I ended up I was six hours away from getting my master's degree and let me go back let me just I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell the story sorry maybe your viewers want to hear it or need to hear it yeah but um, as you just talked about is me, you know, me persevering through a lot of things in my life. So I remember two occasions in my life to where people told me I would either be in jail or dead by the time I was 21. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, my yeah. Great teacher, Mr. Strauss, never forget him. He smelled like coffee and cigarettes every single day of my fifth grade year. And oh, man. 
he he because I talked too much or because I wanted to be the class clown, he took me outside one day and he's like, you're going to be in jail or dead before you're 21 years old. And that's just sad. Was his exact words to me. Mm-hmm. I'm in fifth grade and I remember those words like they were yesterday. They burned through my soul. Mm-hmm. At that time, and after I had Jeremiah, I had a couple parents tell me who I thought, you know, liked me and whatever, but they're like, I think one day I was talking to a, one of their daughters and they came to me later and was like, can you please not talk to my child? I don't need her getting pregnant by you or anything like that. So I say that to say, oh man, you, are, you think only that stuff happens in movies, yo. Bro, and that's what I'm saying. Like you, you know, t- people start telling you, you're just going to be another statistic now. Like mm-hmm. had a baby, what were you thinking? What are you doing? Like you hear yeah. that it rings in your head. And so my, my biggest motivation for what I've always done is I didn't want to be a statistic, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I was so afraid of failing. So let me kind of go through my point here. I'm in the last semester of my master's degree. Okay. Like I got six hours. Actually, I really only had three, but they make you take six. I just had to write my research paper and I took another online class and I get a master's degree, James. So, and if I get a little emotional, forgive me because this does make me emotional because I've heard for so many, so long, you're not going to amount to anything. You're not going to be this. You're not going to be that. And I'm not even, you know, a negative person to where I feed into that stuff. But once you sit back and you take it in of, well, you said I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't even graduate high school. Hmm. I graduated from UCF. Yeah. In three and a half years. Oh, you said I wasn't going to, you know, I wouldn't live to see past 21. I have, I'm about to get a master's degree. Like, so, you know, I was having, and on top of that, our football team, you know, was doing well. So I had a night, a a bad night to where I drank too much because I never put myself in situations. Yeah. Again, what happened to me at the end of the day was not my fault because nobody should have to fight false allegations. Yeah. It's just not fair. Mm -hmm. So... But with that being said, I've never, I don't put myself in situations to where somebody can do that to me. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So in this situation, I put myself in that situation. Like, mm-hmm. I don't do house parties. I got, I, we had a football game that day, that night. We won big, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, they're done now, they're done. And we had a good game. My DBs played awesome. So I'm in the bar. I see a couple of my players. I'm actually getting them shots, obviously, the seniors or whatever. I'm like, man, I'm going to miss y'all. This is our last year together. Mm -hmm. But I had one of those nights. All right? So as I'm leaving this bar, I should go home. I actually called somebody to pick me up. They weren't in town. And somebody else that a friend of mine in the bar was like, let's go stop by this party real quick. Again, I told you, I don't do house parties. Mm -hmm. I'm going to find out when I get there. It's a frat or sorority party. Even oh, worse. man. Yes, even <laughs> worse. So I'm in there, and I'm out of place. I'm feeling out of place because I'm already a grad student, and mm-hmm. you know I'm four or five years older than most of these people. Anyway, yeah. Um, 
But anyway, I'm in there and there's this girl who just kept trying to flirt with me. And so I just kind of gave her some, I gave her some attention and we flirted, we did whatever, but she initiated everything. She tried to kiss me. She tried to touch me. She took me to this other room and <clears throat> we didn't have any type of sexual intercourse or anything. Mm-hmm. And as I was leaving the room, her friend comes in and she's like asking her, well, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing over here? Talking to her. I thought nothing of it. I go back to the party and I'm just kind of sitting out there and I'm like, man, I'm, I need to get out of here. So, and, but I didn't, I stayed. My friend was like, just stay a couple more hours or stay another hour. The girls, 20 minutes passed by, the girls come back out. Not that, not the girl who I was back there with. She, I don't know where she went, but her friends, all come and surround me and they're like you took advantage of our friend she didn't want to do that with you and i'm like first off we didn't do anything you touched her and she didn't want to be touched i said listen please stop saying that like your friend came on to me if she was ever uncomfortable she never said no she never said stop she never said anything to make me know she was uncomfortable well she just didn't want to do that and i'm you need to leave so i left okay i leave and um, I don't think anything of it. I go home, I'm like, you know, that's some BS, but you know, it is what it is. It was a party, nobody knew me. The next day I get to work, which was my graduate assistantship for football as a coach. And the head coach brings me in and the AD is in there. Oh man. Yeah, and I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, Jason, tell us about what happened last night. And I'm like, I was drinking. And again, I don't drink that heavy, so I forgot a lot of what happened. So I wasn't lying to them saying nothing, like, because nothing happened as far as I was concerned. And so I'm like, nothing really. Like, I went to a party and, you know. And I think they were looking for specifics, obviously, and I couldn't remember specifics as far as who would you see, who would you talk to, who would you do here. So – you know, as they kept talking to me, I kept, you know, things kind of kept piecing together a little bit, but they were like, well, the police are looking for you, but, and you should go talk to them, but do not go without a lawyer. This is their exact oh, words to me, James. This is their exact words to me. Now, again, me being the person I am, I don't need a lawyer. I didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, don't tell me. I'm not going to get no lawyer. I did nothing wrong. I'm going to go explain what happened. Yeah. And this is going to be it. It's going to be the end of it. So I go up there and this is where I'm getting to some advice for others. of yeah. Always get a lawyer. I don't care what anybody says or what. And it's not even because to assume guilt. Like that's what I always thought. Like, oh, they lawyered up. They must be, you know, that's what you hear on TV. Yeah. That is pure ignorance. Mm-hmm. That is not true. A lawyer can keep you out of jail. Right. Because when I go up there, I tell the the officers, they ask me what happened. I'm like, officer, I don't remember specifics. I, she kissed me. I don't remember exactly what happened after this or that. But I know for 100% fact, this woman never said no to me. She never said stop. She never pushed me away. She never expressed anything to make me know she was uncomfortable. James, you want to know when I knew I was SOL? 
This officer says to me, uh oh, she never said she said no. She never said she said stop. She never said she pushed you away. But she didn't give you verbal permission to touch her. That's what his, mm. his exact word. Mm -hmm. I said, well, officer, she kissed me. How was I supposed to know if she was uncomfortable when she kissed mm -hmm. me? She took me to another room. This was her sorority house. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where we were going. Like, and he's like, well, at some point you should have verbally asked, could you touch her the way you touched her? I was flabbergasted. I'm like, I've had... I've had my share of sexual encounters. Mm -hmm. I've had a woman tell me no. Mm -hmm. I've stopped. I don't go any further. Like, mm -hmm. how was I supposed to know? He's like, that's your responsibility. That's not our problem. You're under arrest. His exact words. Oh, man. I go to jail for a few days and my mom comes and bails me out and we go and see a lawyer. Mm -hmm. The lawyer that the coaches and everybody was recommended in the first place. We go and see him. And he's going through everything. He's like, something's not adding up. Like, you're not telling me everything or something's not adding up. And I'm like, I promise you. So they had put a restraining order on me from her. Again, I didn't even know the girl. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad they did this. They put a restraining on me, order on me. So we had to go to court for that. And my mm -hmm. lawyer was able to ask questions. Yeah. And he was able to simply ask her, like, well, did you ever tell him no? I, I guess I can appreciate that she didn't lie about that. She yeah. didn't lie and say, yes, I pushed him off of me and he wouldn't stop. He tried to force me to do this. We tried to force me to do that. Like, she didn't say any of that. She's like, no, I didn't say no. I didn't say stop. I was in such a state of shock. I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. And so after that, um, that hearing, my lawyer gets back and he's like, he shot it to me straight. And this is the day that I realized, okay, I'm still a black man in America. Mm -hmm. He said, I, I wish you would have come to me before. He said, they never would have been able to arrest you. He said, if I'm being real with you, if you were not your skin tone, you would not be going through this right now. He said, wow. never done this to a white person. Mm -hmm. And he was white. He said, mm -hmm. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news of that. And again, I will claim ignorance of, I mean, I knew, I knew these things. I knew what existed, but I, I, I turned a blind eye to so many things for so long because they did not directly affect me. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't experience the... I did experience it, but I didn't, I didn't notice it to the extent of, like, I would get stopped by a police officer, and I'm chummy with the officer, and he's asking me questions like, well, where are you going? Well, why are you going this way? Why are you over here? Why? Now I look back, why, did you, why are you stopping me? <laughs> like, what, right. What, can I help you? Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, you start getting those profiling moments, and you start remembering how they happened to you when i was mm -hmm. in florida they happened when i was here in georgia they happened like yeah you know, oh you started to think about it like that and but that was my eye-opening experience and i want to share that because while that was technically 
at the end of the day, that was not my fault. I want people, young people, young black men specifically, mm-hmm. to know we don't get the same opportunities to get off of things the way others do. Mm-hmm. Have to make better decisions. We have right. to say, I can't put myself in that position because mm-hmm. this may happen. Right. That's what. That's the, mm-hmm. the message that I feel like we should be passing along to our younger generation of and that's wisdom yeah like we just we can't do it like you don't get to do the same things unfortunately you should be able to we should live in a world but we don't right you don't get to talk to the i tell my son you don't if you get stopped you put both hands on the steering wheel and you Mm -hmm. talk to this man like you got some sense right Mm -hmm. He he might chastise you he might say to you well you don't belong over here i've been told that by a cop before Mm-hmm. You don't belong over here. What you doing over here? And then they try to come back with, well, this is it's just a high drug area, so we're just trying to no, mm-hmm. you don't you don't have the right to do that to me. Right. I tell my son, I need you home more than I exactly. need you wrong. I need yes. you home more than that. So Man, and that's deep. We wrong. need you home more than he needs to be wrong. Yeah. Need you home more. Like that's yeah. more important to me. Than mm-hmm. him, than you showing him that he's wrong. Yeah, he's probably going to be wrong. But guess what? He has the power what? to make your life, and that's not fair. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. But he has the power to make your life a living hell if he chooses to. And then guess what? All he has to say in the paperwork, it, it could be a lie. Resist mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Or, like it's so many. Fit the description. It's mm-hmm. so many things that they can just say and booyah, charges are against, are against you and you have to defend them. You have to defend yourself. Right. They don't have to prove those charges until you get to a court of law. But I have mm-hmm. to defend myself against those charges. Yeah. So it's not, at, at the end of the day, like my, my, my advice to younger people or older people, who, whoever's listening is in those situations, hands 10 and two, how can I help you officer? Mm-hmm. I'm reaching for my wallet offer, is that okay? Like, that, that's just, that's how I feel like it, sh- it needs to be because it's more important for you to get home yeah. than to make that man look wrong. Man, I'm, I'm coining that phrase, by the way. I, you should. It's more important <laughs> for you to be home than for them to be wrong. More important, like that's, well, I might need to trademark it before you try to. You might your proud dads might get something going, and you'll get the out. royalties over it all. You know, <laughs> like courtesy of. <laughs> that's that's super important, especially today. Like mm-hmm. because my son, oh, my son will think that because he's right mm-hmm. that that matters. Right. It doesn't matter. And that and that's the tough thing to because I used to coach high school football. Mm-hmm. And you know how we are. It's like, man, we know we right and we gonna make it a point that yep. everybody knows we right I'm no right. matter what. Yeah. But I'm like, that is so deep. It's like we want you to live. It's like One does part. it matter if you're right if you're not living? Doesn't matter at all. Like you're gonna be put on a t-shirt and they're gonna say you were resisting arrest or he felt you know 
-hmm. or his life, like just with everything going on right now, it's more important to me for you to get home right. than you to make that officer say, yeah. or he's not gonna say it, but to him to look wrong. Right, and we'll, we'll fight another battle another day, but right that's now. That's not the battle we want to fight. Like, <laughs> exactly. your battles. Mm -hmm. That's not the one to fight. And I think some people who we talked about before this show started may think that's kowtowing or, you know, whatever, but I don't think mm -hmm. so. I think nah. that's being smart. I think exactly. it's smart to put yourself in situations to where you know, hey, I'm going to do it. And Hey, it, it, that doesn't mean 100% that that cop's not having a bad day and he's going to take some out on you. It doesn't mean that. Mm -hmm. But it does give you a better chance to get home. For mm -hmm. that, when I got my hands up here, the cop might say, okay, I feel a little more comfortable now. Mm -hmm. And then you're talking to him like you got some sense, like, yes, officer, what can I do for you? Or I'm going to reach in my pocket right now. Is that okay? Making mm -hmm. sure, like, you're talking to officers like that. And again, not in a kowtow kind of way, in a. Yeah get home safe way because that's Amen. the most important thing because that man can do whatever and say whatever mm -hmm. and then what are they going to do they're going to bring up your pictures from yep. high school when you got in trouble in a mm -hmm. fight and they're, they're going to bring try up a tweet that you sent there out you when go. you was like 14 or 15 yes they're going to villainize you mm -hmm. and that it's just not worth it so that's my advice there but yeah that's and it's so crazy as like parents now that we have to have those conversations have to. even still. Have to. It's, it's so like cool. wild. And and you know what's hard about it, James, for me is I don't I don't want it to be a when I have these conversations, I don't want him to have any type of disdain or hatred mm -hmm. toward police or toward yeah. because guess what? It, I don't care what nobody say. All white people aren't racist and all police aren't bad. Right. Exactly. But with that being said, you can't tell me for so many years, well, rotten apples ruin the bunch and it doesn't mean and it doesn't pertain to you too. Right. You see what I'm yeah. So the you can't bad pick and choose. Apples, there you go. The bad apples in your bunch is ruining your bunch right now. Right. So good apples need to stand out a little more mm -hmm. for, for us to have a little more trust in you. Yeah. Because for so long, you know, black are these thugs and this. No, we're not all thugs. Mm -hmm. We're not all. A lot of us got some sense. A lot of us. Right. You know, most of us, actually. Let me say that. Most of us. There are a select mm -hmm. few that don't, but most of us have some sense and most of right. us, you know, know how to act. We just so, want to live our lives and live achieve lives. and work our way up. And progress. So don't mm -hmm. don't put us, don't lump the bad apples this way, but then we can't do it to you. Mm -hmm. but I don't want my son to grow up thinking he's got to fight against the police or he's got right. to against the police. Mm -hmm. We we fight for police reform and police change. Yeah. We don't fight against the police, if that makes yeah. sense. And the one thing that I have... It's like I try to instill that wisdom in my kids without instilling fear. Because it's like I still want them to live their life. Yeah, that's it's hard. like it is hard. Um, and it's like it. I. it's not fair that we do have to do it, yeah. but got to be done. Got to be done. Fine. But and that's my thing. It's like, OK, we're going to be wise. We're going to make smart choices. We ain't going to do anything to incite or. Uh, but 
you you still got to live. You were born for greatness. You will achieve greatness. Yep. Um, make smart moves and don't be scared. Yeah, that's true. So Wild. It's crazy, bro. Times we get <laughs> what we have to teach our kids, but it's, mm-hmm. it's so important to make sure that we're teaching them that, but also not teaching them hate. That's yeah. hard. That, that's yeah, hard. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. That's hard for me. That's hard to say, to have a conversation with my son. You saw what happened. You right. saw this. But you can't hate all cops that you see because you keep seeing this in the news mm-hmm. and this keeps happening to us. Mm-hmm. You still got to be respectful to them. You still got to show respect um, to them. But just be aware and just understand. And again, like you said, don't live in fear. Mm-hmm. But just be aware and understand what's going on. Because, right. you know, you can't shield them from it now. And they see the videos, too. Yep. But you definitely got to gotta stay on them and make sure they're understanding of this is what's going on. This is where we are right now. Mm-hmm. It's sad that 2020, we're still here. doesn't help that we have a president. And I'm <laughs> Apologize. Help that we have a man in office that would prefer to antagonize people mm-hmm. rather than try to bring them together. Right. Say, hey, like the thugs, mm-hmm. like that wasn't necessary. Like you and I talked about it. We may not. I may not really agree with the looting and some of the stuff, but at the end of the day, like. Mm-hmm. I don't, what else? Like, kneeling wasn't good enough. They right. were so for kneeling. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at what point is, are you not mad about the way I'm protesting? Mm-hmm. You're just mad at what I'm protesting. Right. And it's like, we need a leader. And it's like, that is my, that is probably my biggest qualm yeah. with him. It's like, it's that office is supposed to be a leader. Yep. And I don't want a politician right now. I don't want you saying stuff that gerrymanders to your base to keep you in office. We need someone that will give us the information, yep. uh, lead us forward, to make decisions that are like, yeah. that are productive. Yeah. And it's like, it's just frustrating. Yeah. And it, it, ah, we could have a whole nother episode <laughs> about. I didn't yo, know make it political exactly <laughs> I'm, again, I'm gonna start a second podcast where we talk yeah, about yeah. nothing about politics and uh, sports I, I, I don't even think it's from a political standpoint but like you said we're looking for leadership right now mm-hmm. and when you have a guy that's tweeting when the looting starts the shooting starts and you know going at um retweeting stuff about Democrats need to be killed, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> really? Like, come on, man. Like, I, I probably could have made better choices when I was 17 and in high you, school, bro. You could have, trust me. <laughs> I with 16 and a baby, I could have made better choices. <laughs> now, that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> this is crazy. Oh, man. But, so staying on topic with like the overcoming, what are you doing now? Like, where are you now? Cause oh, you, you oh. were saying you, you were blessed to have like a good job and, and God, we just saw your baby girl run across 
God has truly blessed me, James. I am an operations manager at Turner Sports. So I work on the NCAA.com property. And after I finished my master's in Missouri, I came back to Georgia because my son and his mom had moved back to Georgia at the time, finally. I was happy for that. But um, I came back to Georgia. And um, coming from from a master's degree, I'm like, oh, I'm about to get something real good. Nope. (laughs) I had to settle for an internship. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were like, Jason, you can do better. You can do better. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm not too good for an internship. So I went to Turner Sports and I got the internship. And six years later, might be set, about to be seven years later, I am an operations manager on the NCAA.com website. And I work specifically with NCAA championships and the March Madness app. So, man, that's cool. Man, listen, I work in sports. I get paid well to do it. I, I I don't even like to speak out loud sometimes like about it because I don't want nobody to go back and be like, we might be paying this man too much. We need to right. reevaluate. Like, <laughs> to do what I love and to be able to make the amount of money I make, I am so blessed. I get to yeah. sit around good people. I get mm-hmm. to run into Chuck and Shaq and those guys. Ernie is as down to earth as they come. Mm-hmm. Bro, when I tell you Craig Sager is the funniest, nicest guy ever, like he was on our floor and I ran into him in the bathroom one day. This was during my internship, actually. Mm-hmm. I ran into him in the bathroom one day and we talked for like a couple minutes. He asked me a few questions. From then on, Craig, Craig's my best friend as far as I'm concerned. He was my yeah. best friend. He, he don't think so. He doesn't know it. We didn't hang out <laughs> of work. I'd see him on the floor. I'd see him in the bathrooms and we talked, but he was the coolest, nicest guy. Yeah. And I rest his soul. Like, when people talk about him, bro, it's real. Like, he mm-hmm. was so down to earth. And all those guys really are. Ernie Johnson is a great guy. But being able to be around those guys here and there, you know, from time to time, has just been great. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I am there. I am working for Turner. I work on the March Madness app. Um. We're redesigning the app this year. So next year for 2021, you guys tune in. That's my plug. <laughs> well, I always got to get the plug in. Get the plug in. Tune in to NCAA.com for all your scoring needs. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, so that's what I do. And, I, bro, I love what I do. Mm-hmm. And I had to work hard from that, on that during that internship. But mm-hmm. it – it earned me the trust of people around me. Yeah. And at the time, you know, if you guys know anything about corporate America, it's all about the numbers and mm-hmm. when they have head count for you and all that. So I actually was in my internship. After that, they couldn't bring me on full time, but they found a way to keep me um, in a contract position. Mm-hmm. All right. And during that time, we, we went through a 2020 where they let go a lot of people. And I was able to stay around. So I was happy about that. And then after that, like, it's just been promotion here, promotion there. And I'm in a position to where um, I'm so happy. But this is not a plug. But for if you have recent college graduates, we do have an internship program that um, I want you to be able to contact me and say, hey, I got this college person. It doesn't mean I can get them the internship. 
Yeah. But I can definitely get them on the list, get them in front of the right people, get them interviews. And the best I can, mm. the best I can do is an interview. Like I said, yeah. I'm not a part of the hiring process. I don't do anything specifically like that, but I, a college graduate, they have to be college graduates for the internship, yeah. but it's our intern, our NCAA internship program. Uh, it'll have to pick back up next year because they brought back this year's interns based on COVID. COVID, yeah. But moving forward, if you know, if you guys have um, recent graduates that are looking for something that has to be in Atlanta, obviously, they have yeah. to move to Atlanta. It's a great program. Okay. And um, so many people like myself and others, like I I can name like six or seven people that currently work at Turner who went through our internship program. I'm going to have to, I'm probably going to reach out to you because I know a couple of college grads that, that might be intrigued by the opportunity. Like I said, unfortunately COVID happened and Mm -hmm. if not, we started the program in August and what are we in right now? April, they would have closed by them. But I think we start about February to where we open up the position forever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you got you got names, if you've got resumes, if you got people, we can we can stay in touch and just send them my way. And like Bet. I said, I, I, the, the best thing is get an interview for sure. I know I get interviews um, yeah. and get them in front of the right people. And then from there, it's just about the right fit as far as what okay. those people like. That's what's up. And it's interesting that you said that because I was just on uh, our favorite platform, Twitter. <laughs> but um, I was re- I follow a, uh, this leadership coach called Lewis Howes, and he made a comment that said, if you are willing to do more than you are paid to do, eventually you'll be paid to do more than you do. So true. I was like, bro, man, that is that is the embodiment of what I come through. Like yeah, from the internship, I said, listen, I'll take those little twelve dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm hungry. I need, I need, I need, I need, and yeah. I work my way into a position where I'm, I make more than I probably should. And on top of that, other opportunities have opened up for me. Mm-hmm. Then this from this job that I have side, you know, income also coming in from, and yeah. it's just bro, it's a blessing. I'm, right. I can't call it nothing but a blessing. I can't say I I'm not taking credit for it. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's a blessing, and that's all it is. I will say, uh, you did definitely prove that fifth grade teacher wrong. <laughs> uh, Mr. Strauss, if you're watching. <laughs> Here. Check out that smile. There you go. There you go. I'm here. <laughs> you know, and I'll say that is a good segue to uh, start to close out. Man, it was so good to catch back up with you. Do you have any like hey, closing points or advice for any fathers, athletes, college students, uh, college grads? You've got a man. wealth of knowledge and of experience. That's he. At it. Don't don't let failures deter you. Like so many people let failure deter them from their ultimate goal. You can't. We're mm-hmm. gonna fail. Fail forward. That's what I say. Fail, fail forward. forward. Fail forward. Nice. Like 
all right, I failed. What's next? Let's go. Yeah. Have mm-hmm. that hunger. Have a thirst for knowledge. That is huge, especially yeah. like in this a is social media age of you know everything's at a click of a finger. Like, have a thirst for knowledge. Like, yeah. put put it out there to say, okay, I need to learn more. I want to know more about this, and. Mm-hmm. Don't just ask people for things. One thing I learned, and I'll, I'll, let, I'll close on this. I learned at Turner my, during my internship was I'd go to, you know, all these, these people that I work with. I'm just asking them questions. And in my mind, I'm like, all right, they like my question. They like my questions. And one day, one of the guys were like, well, Jason, sometimes you got to take the initiative and you can just go look that up. You can figure that out yourself. From that day, if I hear something in a meeting that I don't know about, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to find out. So next time I'm in that meeting, oh, okay, I know exactly what they're talking about. And if yep. I can't figure out if it's something, if it's acronyms that, you know, then, you know, people will happily help you. But don't just always, you know, go to, go to, go to. Mm-hmm. Or try to figure it out yourself. Yeah. If you can't, then you can ask somebody. But I always grew up thinking, well, people want questions because they, you know, they think you're, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, but your real thirst for knowledge is yourself. Just going and taking the initiative to say, okay, I'm going to look this up. I'm going to figure this out. And that's honestly, like, that's my best advice is have that be a sponge. That's what's up. Be a sponge. Like always want more, always want to be in the know of what's going on. And for fathers, Mm-hmm. Man, stay at it. <laughs> proud, proud dad, and mm-hmm. bro, I'm so I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for you. I love you, bro. Like you have almost oh, Love you too, exceeded, man. You have exceeded everything that I kept could have ever imagined for you, bro. And I'm so proud of you. I was proud to be in your wedding. I'm proud <laughs> of you, brother. Like I'm so proud of you, bro. And I appreciate you having me on tonight. Yes, sir. Man, anytime. We're going to have to have a part two because, man, we can have a conversation for days. Sure, I got, I have most stuff. But I didn't even tell the story about that we talked about before. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I got I got so much going, bro. I've got years and years of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I can have a follow-up. <laughs> oh, most definitely. I got you, man. You are always welcome on the podcast. And uh, we definitely going to have to uh, link up next time I'm in the A. That definitely, bro. You, you let me know. You know you got a spot to stay in if you come to town. So, yes, sir. So, well, it's always y'all, a pleasure. Most definitely. Well, y'all, thank you so much again for tuning in to another episode of the Proud Dad Podcast. Um, please share, subscribe, like. Um, shameless plug for the NCAA.com. The Here link go, will be baby. in the March description. A hey, March Madness app. Come on, man. Let's go. So, y'all, again, thank you, Jason. Thank you, listeners. And we out. Thank you, guys.